So hello and welcome to this uh, second recording of my Godcast and I have a wonderful guest today um, uh, sharing space with me. Do you want to introduce yourself really yeah. quickly? Yeah, uh, my name is Eli. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to be a part of this. It's definitely something I've been thinking about wanting to like somehow verbalize or share some of my experiences that I've had, just in general, whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. Thank you. Awesome. And just to give a little setting, we're sitting in Minneapolis on the third floor and in this beautiful apartment in Eli's room and it's warm out and there's candles burning and sacred books around and it's like the best ambiance ever. So if you're listening, just imagine that you're here. And um, Eli and I first connected over Hinduism, basically. Mm -hmm. That's how we met. Um, So that's what this uh, recording is going to be about, is like probably our experience with Hinduism and probably some of our favorite things about it are going to come out. And just like the overall sacredness and um, like how Hinduism is ancient and modern and... um, it just it's really amazing and I've been taking a little bit of a break from the whole practice so this will be a good um you know like a good return to one of my biggest passions I've ever had in my entire life and obsessions which is Hinduism and all of my knowledge about it and I believe all of yours other than personal discovery all of it has come from our guru Swamiji um Paramahamsa Nityananda which is like how we connected and um so i think we should do the opening mantra mm-hmm. just to like invoke right mm-hmm. okay so will you chant with me mm-hmm. nityanandam paramasukaram kevalam jnanamurtam dvandvatitam gagana sadrsham tadvamasya nilaksham ekam nityam vimalamachalam Sarvadi Sakshi Bhutam Pavati Tam Trigonarahitam Sadgurum Tam Namami So that is a beautiful mantra that they um, taught us when we went to Swamiji's Adinam. Um, and everybody says it whenever they're going to start anything because it's invoking the divine presence, basically, right? Do you have any more information on what that's about? Yeah, so it's officially it's like called surrender. the Sadguru Vandanam. Um, yeah, it's basically whenever you start kind of like a sacred uh, sacred anything. It's, like, like, an basic, in, it's yeah. like an invocation. Yeah, invocation of Swamiji's presence. And it's, I use it every day. I typically use it in the car when I'm driving, actually. If, like, there's traffic and I'm late for work and I'm, like, freaking out, all I say is, like, that said Guru Vandanam and, like, Samaji will just take care. The universe will take care. So, yeah, it's kind of just, it can be used for a lot of things, but to invoke the presence and divine. And also, like, I think it's kind of like, you know, how people say, Jesus, take the wheel. It's kind of like a surrender. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, okay, so I think to give a little 
context, um, I see, like, since 2011, 2012, which is when I sort of had, like, an awakening experience that changed my life, it really wasn't the first time, um, but it was, like, the most powerful period in my journey as far as, like, opening my eyes went, um, to the true nature of reality or, like, my true self, um, and when that happened, I went into this deep, like, seeking mode, and I wouldn't even say that I was, I was consciously doing it, but it was also doing me, like, I was just constantly being, um, brought these different situations, and anyway, in the, the throes of seeking, I ended up, you know, going down a few different little paths, which, if you've seen any of my YouTube videos, you might have heard the whole dirty story, or you might have, you might know a little bit about my story anyway. This recording is not all about that, but I think that ever since my spiritual awakening, I've been feeling more and more that the whole world is starting to wake up more and more and that they're all looking for this like cosmic reality and cosmic oneness to whatever degree that they're at, whatever makes sense for them now and whatever Basically, there's varying degrees of, like, people's intensity of seeking or desire or even their clarity of vision of, like, what is the true reality and what is not. So the main point that I'm trying to make is that in my own personal, like, exploration and discovery, when I found Hinduism, um, which started on YouTube for me, um... I knew that I had struck gold because nothing had ever been more interesting to me or more, um, like, authentic. Nothing had ever excited me so much in my entire life and just brought so much joy to me. And I don't think that that would have ever been possible or it wouldn't have happened to the degree and magnitude that it did without um, having a guru that was so perfect for me. Um, if I would have just picked up any book about Hinduism, I don't think that I would have really gotten the whole thing. Or if I would have just taken a class at a university, I don't think that I would have gotten the full experience that I did. And for that, I'm so grateful. But I also feel like I can say with a lot of clarity and um, assurance that Hinduism is a really great um, solution and I think it is what everybody is ultimately looking for like the sciences locked in and like folded into Hinduism traditional authentic Hinduism is like the answer to ev what everybody's desiring spiritually I think um, I don't know if you have anything else to say about that but it was kind of a long roundabout way of saying that I think it's extremely perfect for like the present day it's not just like this esoteric super old science that you know doesn't love women and like whatever it's not uh it's not dated it's like mm -hmm. the most modern practice while also being ancient oh absolutely yeah <laughs> to trail on that the big things that got me about hinduism for sure was like being introduced to the idea that um it's a lifestyle, it's not a religion, Hinduism. That was huge, because, like, growing up Christian Catholic, uh, going to religion class, this is your religion, 
definitely gave me a negative taste and feel about the word religion like it's just not a good thing so like being like told that hinduism is a lifestyle not a religion was huge Mm -hmm. um and and that there's like no conversion yeah there's no conversion there's so many different ways to celebrate it to do it yeah to be in it whatever but also visiting india and the Adinam where I stayed, the Ashram where I stayed, and both of us stayed. And you lived there for a while. Yeah, I lived there for a while. The the spectrum of people, beings that were there celebrating Hinduism together just absolutely confirmed that I th- believe that Hinduism is what everybody's looking for ultimately. Yeah. Um, because there's, I mean, there's old people, there's young people, there's people from every different country, pr- pretty much, um, there celebrating Hinduism, so... That was... Yeah. I think it's what everyone's looking for. I think it's for everybody, too. Like, to whatever degree you're willing to open yourself up. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, like, for the yogis to take their yogic practice to the next level. It's basically... It's, like, if you want to go super hardcore and you want to do tons of chanting, tons of devotion, tons of, um, like, deep diving, ritual, and, like... Um, austerities it's for you if you want to just like clean up your diet there's a science for that if you want to learn about astrology Mm -hmm. there's a science for that if you want to dress in a way that creates better flow in your body there's a science for that if you want to have children if you want to have enlightened children there's a science for that if you want to read amazing poetry there's like stuff for that if you want to uh learn how to do ritual there's Mm -hmm something for that you know it's so comprehensive and it really is available to everyone and I don't want us to sound like we're um you know like religious fanatics or anything but I'm just trying to convey that like it's the most welcoming like body of knowledge basically and it creates such a clear path for people to evolve and like better themselves and have a purpose in a world where people are just mulling around and I don't think that they really feel they have a purpose Mm -hmm. you know so it's so beautiful um so do you want to give a little bit of background about yourself like how did you end up here yeah I'll make it brief I mean you did I've made a video about it before and I will make it again kind of just like on my journey to we can link to your video too yeah in the description um but how I like even like I guess open my eyes fully for the first time or I guess do you have any like standout experiences you could share that like really moved you throughout your journey or I mean I've had a ton of them that I talk about on my YouTube channel but um I know you're interested in even, like, the gender thing. Mm -hmm. Like, is there any topics that we should start off with? I guess we could go through, like, what is the daily routine even, you know, for, like, health and wellness. Or we could open the book and choose something to talk about. That, too. I mean, that could be... Might as well. We had so many ideas at first. Um, There's endless things to talk about. Yeah. Let's open this book and see... What presents itself? Oh my god. Okay, this is so relevant to me, actually. And probably you, too. 
to everybody. It is. <laughs> okay, so it says, leadership is a state, not a status. Living enlightenment is being a naturally effective leader in all spheres of life. So, this is relevant to me because my spiritual name that I was given uh, means courageous leader. And this whole recording that we're doing and even just like meeting with Eli and <laughs> convincing her, which was not hard, to um, sit and talk with me like this was part of me wanting to step more into that role of the identity that, you know, is my highest purpose right now. So that is like me always, whenever I see anything about leadership or I feel like I'm taking a step towards like being my true self or stepping into leadership, I feel like it's super relevant. Um, And this, like putting information out into the world and sharing it, about things that I've learned feels mm. super relevant to that goal. Um, so, leadership being a state, not a status, uh, is a quote, I guess, from Swamiji, right? Mm-hmm. So, it says, when we become responsible for others, we're no longer focused on us. We move towards serving other people. Mm. Serving other people is leadership. Pandering to one's own needs without a care about others is absence of leadership. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, I mean, personally for me, I've always felt like, I guess I have felt like this, like leadership is a state. It's like, what am I doing to help others and to share with others? And one of my other recent passions has been astrology which I'm always reminded that I shouldn't take it too seriously, but also in my chart, my midheaven, which is my career line, is in Sagittarius, which is all about um, having ex- personal exploration and then bringing it back and sharing with others. So to me, that's also like a leadership role and mm-hmm. sharing. But um, I guess we should also talk about like, while we're on this sharing is like the importance of a spiritual name and like what yeah. is the purpose of it yeah so to my knowledge when I received a spiritual name it was um that well my sort of little spiel about it is that you know we're born and raised with names that mean nothing normally in the western culture and we're wasting that time and energy and intention that could be used to build us up. Like, if somebody's constantly calling your name, Kelsey, 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 it's like it doesn't mean anything. Or it means something about, like, a ship in the water. It's <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. And once you get a name that means something, it's like you're constantly being reminded of your higher purpose. And you're constantly being accountable to that Mm -hmm. identity and I do see in the west that some people have names that mean something and it seems to me like they either embody it or they're like the opposite of it like they're not integrated with it or something but um yeah so my name is Vireshwara uh Manitya Vireshwara Nanda which means like eternally blissful in this space of courageous leadership and so that type of identity is a lot more powerful than just like a meaningless name it becomes like who you're um not really like striving for but it's like your higher self that you should constantly be embodying right Mm -hmm. and even there are some people who take a spiritual name and then once they've attained that space they receive another spiritual name yep right 
So, uh, what's your feeling about it? Spiritual names? Yeah. Yeah, so a little, I guess a little more background on it. Yeah, so what we were saying is that the names typically received, you're given in the West are unconscious names. Right. They're unconsciously given. Um, but yeah, when you go to India, if you see, like, meet Swamiji, you have the opportunity to receive a spiritual name. Um, it's basically like, can feel like you're being rebirthed into a new being, which is super cool. But it's, uh, the name you receive can also, it is also a personal mantra. Yes. So if you say it, um, to yourself, like. It's like aligning yourself. Yeah. To that. Which is really cool. That you have your own personal mantra designed for yourself. Yeah. So. And I think that's, I think that, like, one of the key things that everybody is looking for is, like, a purpose, Mm -hmm. you know? And when you receive a spiritual name from a teacher or a guru or an enlightened being, it's like they are guiding you to what you might not be seeing as clearly as, like, your path. It gives you, it's like a dog who needs a job, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. dogs love learning tricks and so they love it when you train them, you know? It's like humans, I think, tend to, like, mull around, like I said, and if you give them, like, a direction it helps them to, for sure. like, go for that. And that's another reason why I love studying astrology, um, because I'm learning how to help people find their path without necessarily me giving them a spiritual name. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. Uh, do you have anything else to say about being a leader? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's really relevant to me. Um, I'm actually... My next big step in life, I know, is owning my own business. And I have, yeah, I have the opportunities, like, in front of me. And, like, they're within my reach to, like, start taking steps to that. So this is kind of just an affirmation that I definitely should be taking those steps into starting my own business. Whether it's small, um, like, even just a blog or... Yes. What, yeah, or recipe book or whatever it may be, um, just to start taking those steps. And yeah, so super cool. And I see actually, I think this is even more on point now that I think of it. We're in the Leo season right now, mm. and I see a lot of people really like coming clean about things that they feel are not authentic. Like mm-hmm. online, I'm seeing people sort of making these like coming clean videos and like just trying to kind of like own up to what they've done and where they're at and like trying to look at themselves as a more authentic being and basically I see people like there seems to be a huge wave of people trying to like create their new identity or like step into like their authentic selves and the roles that they see for sure like leadership in everybody's own life um okay so let's actually talk about chanting since we opened with that Mm -hmm. nice mantra um so in my experience, what I know about chanting uh, is that I've had a lot of miracles happen through that mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. but also it's a really vital part of health in general, I think, because not only are you moving energy and air, um, which I have a lot to say about that, I can <laughs> talk all about that, um, so you're moving energy, you're moving air, you're moving stagnation in your body, you're vibrating yourself consciously instead of just being vibrated by your thoughts and words unconsciously and like EMFs and everything else around you 
um, you're consciously like tuning yourself and especially when you're chanting in a sacred language like uh, Sanskrit it's like a mathematical language that is specifically tuning different parts of your body with these little micro prayers basically I heard someone say that every word in Sanskrit is a prayer it is like its own prayer and so when you're chanting something it's like I don't know can you feel the energy like moving up and down right it's to me it feels like a sacred frequency mm-hmm. like how these rishis oh we have to talk about the yuga's book on here too at some point um how these rishis or like sacred beings in the past have created or shared this knowledge of chanting is it's like such a perfect formula to create certain frequencies in your body basically and when you chant you can feel it happening and like you can really switch your mood from like down in the dumps to like super high vibe um in an instant basically and uh part of the daily routine uh given by Swamiji is to like do a puja every day and you know and lots of other chanting would come with that once you start feeling inspired and Mm -hmm. empowered on your own um it's just like a really beautiful practice that I always want to learn more of um but yeah even puja so like can you explain what puja is yeah so puja is like (laughs) worship basically put you on the spot um particularly towards I mean you can do it kind of towards any deity uh there's different types per deity uh you basically are offering anything food it's like a ritual. Uh, yeah, it's a ritual that typically you start your day with before you do anything. Um, before you even eat, uh, you're supposed to bathe and be clean for it. It's very sacred. Um, typically, you should be wearing Indian dress as well. Uh, but it's one of the most beautiful things that I ever like learned to do. And it, I manifest, like it changed my life. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's, I feel like everything in Hinduism really is like tuning yourself to the cosmos and becoming that and becoming aware, like waking up in the knowing that you are one with all of Mm -hmm. it and everything that's happening inside of you is happening on a macro level Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And I think, again, that's why astrology works because it's like looking at these cosmic currents of consciousness, which like whatever we're feeling is also happening on a macro and what we can see happening on a macro level is affecting us too and yeah that'll be like a whole nother talk maybe I can get Natalie on here um but yeah so everything about Hinduism whether it's yoga you're moving through postures you're becoming a cosmic antenna to pick up and vibrate and reflect certain frequencies to other planets other asteroids other beings maybe just energy in general so that's yoga like everything that you can do whether it's food chanting yoga dress um even bathing there's a special way to do it and all of that is to get you you know into your highest state and tuned to the oneness of the cosmos and the key teaching is basically tatvamasi like you are that right Mm -hmm. we are everything we are the big g-o-d we are shiva shakti we are everything and um 
like I don't want to say that they're archetypes because they're definitely living energies and definitely living um, beings in the way like if we had to put English words to it like that but I also believe that they are archetypes inside of us that we can tune to and like or we uh, naturally evoke in different situations and stuff Mm -hmm. like that too so yeah like one of the key things that people know about Hinduism is that there's a plethora of gods and goddesses right Mm -hmm. and that's um, like a lot of people have seen Hindu artwork which is second to none (laughs) and the whole like array of gods and goddesses and beyond are uh, really amazing to connect to and learn about and like start to feel and tune into and that brings me to another key important part of Hinduism that a lot of people brush over which is the importance of a guru and Hinduism that's like a key element is like to have a guru in your life and a lot of Indians will all have like a family guru and a a family deity and um it's just like one of the key components that people I think are afraid to mm-hmm. look at or admit or connect with because they don't want to feel like they're connecting to another human. They want it to be like mm-hmm. something they can't see or feel or touch. You know, they want it to be like greater than them. And one of the girls at the Adinam I heard her say like, you know, she loves to be able to like reach out and hug and talk to and like make jokes to and ask questions to like this super divine energy happening in a body like right before her and I thought that Mm. that was like such a beautiful way to look at it and put it um so I don't know if Mm -hmm. you have anything to add about a guru but uh it's just such a key component and I wouldn't ever want to give anybody the wrong idea that a guru is not like essential to Hinduism because it totally is and the whole other than being in oneness with the universe the other key thing about Hinduism is like being in a higher state and evolving or realizing your highest state and reaching enlightenment right or realizing it and the guru is essential for that because they bestow it Mm -hmm. or they can yeah uh, they can pass it on so like they'll be in this enlightened state and they can pass it on uh, or awaken it or realize it yeah. in another being which is incredible and um, I don't really know like, I don't really know if that many people have seen or met someone who received that high that highest blessing in a way that was like so perceivable but I have like I have met someone who was different and then received this highest blessing and now is like in total oneness. Like, I don't know if this is too much for this recording, but it's an experience I've had and it's something that I've come to learn more about and realize more the magnitude of that blessing. And it's not to be taken lightly, but it also is like the most joyous thing that I've ever seen so um yeah I think that might be like a little bit deep for regular random people listening to this who uh, maybe are not deep into the throes of this but it's a super esoteric science that's really beautiful and has so many gifts to unfold uh that we couldn't even describe them all right now um 
So, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything to add about a guru? I think I already asked you that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely learned, like, even just in the past year, like, how important one is to have. Uh, I mean, you certainly can learn oodles of information on Hinduism, like, just with yourself. But a guru has been through it all and has dedicated their life to get others to enlightenment I mean Mm -hmm. that is they're completely selfless their ego is completely obliterated in the most beautiful way Uh, that's like a huge part kind of that Hinduism is is breaking down the ego and that's often why some people have a hard time like thinking they don't need a guru because they're the ego man yeah they're like I can just do it all myself for sure and I mean I was just going through that even um, I think there's space for everything, like, yeah. for self-discovery, too. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, I absolutely. even know that, like, for some people, like, full, total devotion is, like, their path. Mm-hmm. And for some people, like, for me, it's like I was getting a little bit lost and caught up in that. And I needed a little bit more of, like, my own leadership. I had to, like, be able to find my own voice because I was getting too comfortable and everybody telling me how to do things which was, like, a weak spot for me, but I was listening to everybody. I wasn't, like, just listening to the people I should be listening to, you know? And I think that there's, like, again, like, waves of consciousness and learning and, like, Mm -hmm. group learning on a mass scale and stuff like that. There's so much to it. But also, like, a guru is someone who can tell you from experience and who can take, like, these super, like, deep, hidden poetic teachings out of these old old texts and like put it into a digestible format and talk about Mm -hmm. it over an hour discourse you know just one line or one word right and it's like how would you ever be able to grasp any of that or even be interested to listen to it if there wasn't like a human component like teaching you Mm -hmm. you know it's like storytelling I think humans have always loved storytelling you know that's true Um, and there's so much more to it too um, could you, or do you want to share a little bit about, like, authentic yoga and your experience with yoga? Yeah. <laughs> I'll start off by saying that, I, like, uh, a little over a year ago, last summer even, like, hated yoga. I'll just <laughs> completely honest. Like, yoga to me, I totally had a bad idea about it. Like, it's huge here in Minneapolis, actually. Like, I mean, there's a yoga, there's just as many yoga centers as Starbucks, there's like pretty much maybe every type of yoga yeah every type of yoga which is super cool I think it's amazing that everyone is so into yoga right now I just had a bad (laughs) taste in it because like of all of these expensive like yoga gear like I was so intimidated to go because I couldn't afford the expensive yoga stuff and like whatever Mm -hmm. I was just insecure about it but uh last summer I was presented the opportunity to go to India for a yoga program um at Padmahamsa Nithyananda's Adinam uh, like, to learn true, authentic Oh my god, so you are yoga. certified to teach. I wasn't even thinking Rope about yoga. that the other day. Uh, Kundalini Still, Raju. That's even is, yeah. better. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I went to learn a super ancient uh, yoga form that our guru is trying to bring back, or is bringing back, I shouldn't say trying which, to Which, like, side note, it's, like, very similar to Ariel Silk. Yes, very which similar. Which you might have seen, which is having a huge, like, explosion of popularity in yeah. the West. Like, aerial silks and everything mm-hmm. like that is a, such a close 
very interesting and exciting parallel to this Kundalini sure. Raju. It's not the s- exactly the same, but yeah, very you're in, similar. You're suspended in the air, right? Doing poses, which is amazing. But yeah, that was my first experience, like doing yoga consistently every day and pairing it with a healthy lifestyle diet. Um, community community too it was like unbelievable so now i'm like a huge advocate advocate for yoga um it but you've even had like physical breakthroughs like sitting oh god yeah i so padmasana the lotus pose (laughs) as many know is when like your feet are on your thighs and and crisscross or like crisscross applesauce (laughs) i like that was my goal like I could not do it to save my life like I felt like my knees were gonna break off but practicing yoga and breathing breathing is a huge part of it one day I was able to just do it I was in the space of oneness and I there was chanting involved and I just slid right into it it was profound is the only way I can like describe it but I mean yeah Yeah. anything's possible so that makes me think of when I'm thinking about Kundalini Raju, I'm thinking about uh, how that is, like the name says, it's to awaken Kundalini. Mm-hmm. So what is Kundalini, right? It's mm-hmm. like another key component of this whole thing, which is the rising of enlightenment energy. It can be shown symbolically in a lot of art around the world mm-hmm. um, from ancient times, but also, you know, it's the most modern thing flowing through your body yeah. right now. And I always see these parallels of, like, ancient and modern, ancient and modern with this whole, like, science and this whole trip that I'm on <laughs> um, in general. But kundalini is generally described as a serpent that is, and also symbolically shown as a serpent that's coiled three and a half times at the base of the spine. And it's a dormant energy normally. And then when you get engaged in spiritual practice or sometimes you get engaged in spiritual practice and interest because the kundalini awakens and starts to rise up the spine so it's like is it the chicken or the egg i'm not sure um but it starts to rise up and energize or awaken or unlock the different chakras as it rises up and eventually, ideally, will explode in a huge, crazy extravaganza, or maybe more subtle, depending on the person. It'll come out the crown, like the top of your head, and open into the thousand-petal lotus. So you might have seen a lot of um, artwork that looks like that, mm-hmm. or you might have seen like art that shows like the seven chakra system. You know, people usually kind of like downplay it. I think just for lack of information, but. Um, even the medical sign, the caduceus, which is like two snakes, you see it on an ambulance or uh, like a diabetes bracelet, the two snakes going up the staff with the wings, that's symbolic of kundalini. Even Quetzalcoatl uh, from the Mayan stories mm-hmm. and the Mayan god uh, was a winged serpent. It's very like obvious when you start seeing it everywhere, um, but it's a healing enlightenment energy. It's... Uh, you know it's described as being female like the shakti uh and when it rises out the crown it merges with shiva into this complete union of oneness which i think is why sannyasis who are dedicated to spiritual path are single and monog- or basically monogamous with themselves which was not really the right word but um they live a monastic life of brahmacharya alone solo and complete because they're 
reaching for this like divine union which will balance the genders and you can go on and on uh Swamiji says like humans are 51% one gender and 50% the other generally and when they reach enlightenment it becomes completely balanced which is that merging of Shiva and Shakti which is why Swamiji can look so beautifully feminine sometimes and Mm -hmm. whatever so the enlightened being uh is balanced and um anyway kundalini is like a key key part uh trying to rise the kundalini and get it to raise up is something i've been super passionate about for years ever since i found out about it and i used to go to yoga nidra classes and they would always tell us to set an intention Mm. yoga nidra is like yogi sleep Mm. uh and it's like i would go to these western classes in my hometown and like i used to go every week and you would lay down and they guide you through like a body awareness what do they call that where you like walk through your body uh you know when you lay down like a body scan they would walk you through kind of a body scan until you get into this hypnotic meditative Mm -hmm. state and you'd be laying there with all these pillows and then you would have set you would have had some mantra or like something you want to manifest in mind before you go into the yogi sleep and then they would walk you through these awareness things and basically I would always blast off and then she would say like okay repeat your mantra like insert it here Mm. insert it there and everybody you know would have different things like I want to heal this disease or Mm. I want to manifest money or whatever I would always say like every single week uh when I would go there for months I would say like I want to be a kundalini awakened goddess like Mm. I just want to be fully kundalini awakened like there's a lot of information you can read about it I think there's a lot of misinformation too and it's best to go to like a really authentic source when you're trying to actively activate kundalini but yoga a clean diet like all the practices of Hinduism are in accordance with like activating kundalini Mm -hmm. that's like one of the main goals um instead of just like talking about oneness and like reminding yourself about it and reminding yourself that you are it with kundalini awakened it's like there's no there's nothing more true than being at oneness with everything or like in oneness with everything Mm -hmm. it's like that is your experience and it's a different state of consciousness and it's a different state of physiology um which again I think might be like a little bit far for this recording but (laughs) we could get there sometime but yeah so and even people who might have done drugs before like you might have felt the oneness where like you see something or you touch something and like you know that it's you or you see something across the room and you're like you you really authentically feel that as yourself like with the kundalini risen which is uh i believe equivalent to like a state of enlightenment whether temporary or permanent you really feel like at oneness or like in oneness i keep saying that weird um which is why beings who have attained that state or who are in that state are the most highly regarded beings because they can share it they can activate it and they also are in that divine state you know and one of my old teachers used to talk about how we have spinning photon bags which Mm -hmm. is just like a fancy way of Mm -hmm. talking about energy fields Mm -hmm. and he would say like anyone who has highly awakened kundalini will set off others like by being in their field and so he would always sit us like um 
sort of like alternating like people who are having these like there's a lot of symptoms of kundalini rising too and if you're not having them that's okay too like some people I think don't have crazy symptoms but some people have like this laundry list of like crazy things that happen in their life and that could be another discussion also um but you can google like kundalini symptoms and there's a website called biology of kundalini which I think is a kind of a weird western view of it but um, there's a lot of interesting information on there that's pretty typical in the metaphysical and like new age communities about kundalini. Um, that being said, there are some like dark things mm-hmm. that happen when people have kundalini rising, whether it's spontaneous or on purpose. And I've seen some of the worst of it in person, which I've described in YouTube videos before. Um, where people are going through some really weird, dark things. Um, That being said, when I went to the ashram in India and got involved with Swamiji, I've never seen or heard of anything even remotely, no one having any experiences even remotely close to what I saw prior, like in the New Age and metaphysical community kundalini groups. Um, Which, like, I have stories about that. But, um, yeah, so I think it's, really cool to have a really authentic time-tested path for working on these sciences and raising these energies consciously in a way that's like been tried you know it's not just like we're not just sitting here doing breath of fire because that's something we learned from a yoga teacher yesterday Mm -hmm. you know in San Francisco or whatever it's like really authentic sciences to do this work so where was I going with this (laughs) uh basically yoga and everything is customized sciences to like rise this energy which is like the key thing that is it you know that's the same energy that creates a child it's the same energy that uh I guess we utilize when we need energy it's like self-created food basically and it's always like cycling through us to my knowledge but there are ways and times to like really release it or rise it consciously but the goal is to get it flowing and cycling permanently at a high state basically which another I'm really like juicing out most of my stories right now um when I was in India I had this moment where I thought like I want to practice like sacred sex and I was sort of rebelling against like the whole uh brahmacharya idea and I went to this tantra workshop so I was like I want to learn about like sacred union and whatever and the guy was describing all this kundalini rising stuff and I even had a really cool experience of having like a full body orgasm from one of the practices he gave which I think kundalini feels like a giant orgasm for some people even though it lasts it can last for weeks or months like um and or you know it can just be in small bursts and maybe that is even what an orgasm is like a small fraction of it anyway I was in this tantra workshop and I had this wild energy experience where I was like you know it really stunned me I was like oh my god we're really doing something crazy here um and that was not with another person that was like completely me standing fully clothed in a room full of people it wasn't like anything (laughs) crazy but the teacher kept talking about this kundalini energy and like reaching these higher states because he was teaching about tantra right and 
the real authentic Tantra is not just about sex, it's barely about sex. But anyway, so he kept talking about it, and I finally asked him, I said, like, are these states of oneness and, like, divine communion and stuff that you're talking about, are these, like, permanent states that you can attain through this practice? And he basically said no. He's like, they're temporary. So that basically just, like, crushed the whole thing for me, where I was like, okay, that's not the path for me, because Mm -hmm. we want a permanent experience, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, we... And that goes into the whole, like, talk of liberation and moksha, Mm -hmm. right? Like, last birth and... Or choosing if it's your last birth and all of that. And even, like, multiple births could be, like, a whole other topic, too. That's true. Anyways, do you have anything to add? I was kind of ranting, sorry. that was good. Um, so here's, like, one of my favorite quotes. Um... Well, I'll just read a little bit of this book that I love. That was a gift. I want to hear some. So it's called The Essence of the Ribu Gita, uh, translated by Professor N.R. Krishnamurti Iyer, and it's from the Sri Ramanasram, which is in um, Tiruvannamalai, where Swamiji's from. And it's uh, associated with... uh, Ramana Maharishi. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I was blanking. Okay, it says, To Shiva, salutations to... Okay, I also just want to make a disclaimer that I love how poetic and graceful this wording is, but that does not detract from the deep, deep sciences and physics that they're describing in the human body Mm -hmm. right here. Like, this is so uh, deep, esoteric knowledge shrouded (laughs) by, like, the most beautiful poetry ever. Okay, to Shiva, salutations to the Supreme Lord Shiva, the pure awareness in the sky of consciousness in the heart, mm-hmm. by meditation on whom Ganesha Guha, Mother Shakti, who is the embodiment of Shiva's grace, and myriads of devas, saints, and devotees have attained their cherished goals. So they're saying, like, the pure awareness mm-hmm. in the sky of consciousness in the heart it's like I have to read these like a million times (laughs) to even like try to grasp the magnitude but basically they're saying like the supreme lord Shiva who when people or beings meditate on they attain their cherished goals which is enlightenment and all the like the kundalini rising and all that stuff right to Nataraja. This is just like the intro, by the way. <laughs> to Nataraja, which is the dancing Shiva. Mm. From the sky of consciousness of the heart springs forth the dancer Nataraja with his blissful consort Freedom. Freedom is capitalized like as if it's his goddess. Mm. To, the de- to the delectation of his devotees who are thus liberated forever. Unto that... Unto that... A- <laughs> Unto that Ananda Natasha do we render our devout salutations. This is my favorite. To Ardhanishwara, which is the split male and female perfectly balanced enlightened being. Shiva Shakti. Unto that form whose left half is the mother of all manifestation and whose right half is the father of the same. The jingle of the gems enclosed within the hollow golden anklet of whose foot is the source of all scriptures and whose three eyes 
fire, sun, and moon are the illuminants of the universe. To that form be our devout salutations. May that divine form ever be our protection. To Shiva Shakti, Vinayaka, and Shanmuka. Salutations to Shiva, the Lord of the universe of infinite power. To Satchitananda Shakti, the mother of the universe. To Vinayaka, the dispeller of all impediments to freedom, impediments to freedom. And to Shanmuka, the Satguru, who dispenses to his worthy devotees the divine wisdom of Shiva's self leading to salvation. So that refers to the Guru. Uh... The, where it says here, the Sat Guru who dispenses to his worthy devotees the divine wisdom of Shiva self leading to salvation. Which I think is so interesting. Because I think even, I think you could be anywhere in the world if you would have received Darshan. You could be bestowed that or you could be connected to mm-hmm. that based on your level of like readiness. For I don't sure. think readiness is not the right word, but like whatever connection you have however that looks for you, like, living your authentic Mm -hmm. life. Uh, You could be here, or you could be right at his feet, but if you're not living authentically, you're not going to be getting it. You could be there for 40 years, Mm -hmm. making lunch and receiving darshan and receiving smiles from him, but you might not be. You might get it as a, like, as a generous boon of just being there, you know? But, like, it's, it's the rarest of the rare like experience Mm -hmm. you know but that doesn't mean that everything else is garbage it's like if you're yeah if you're on the path or you're like even aware of these things or you even are conscious at all it's the best thing you know Mm -hmm. there's so much in here about uh yeah like the yani sad guru that's the one that i always remember in my mind the realized person who abides in the brahmin self that's like the god realization and has lost all feelings of differentiation of self and non-self so that's like the oneness Mm -hmm. is the jnani or mukta purusha like supreme liberated uh such a jnani is rare to find even by searching among millions of people if one has the lucky opportunity of getting his darshan, personal view and contact, one attains purification from all his sins, and what is more, such a person's ego gets liquidated at once. Mm-hmm. Darshan of the matured jnani constitutes the acme of purification of baths taken in sacred waters, divine worship, mantra japa, spiritual austerities, charitable acts, and devotional worship of Lord Shiva himself. To find and gain access to the sacred presence of such a jnani is the luckiest of opportunities that one could ever obtain in this world. Worshipful, sorry, I just, these are like my favorite ones. <laughs> these, are, these are getting good. Worshipful service rendered unto such a jnani sat guru quickens one's spiritual wisdom to attain the bliss of jivan mukti, living enlightenment. If continued further, it bestows on the disciple even the status of videha mukti. Therefore, if one is keen on being released from bondage into freedom of mukti, the one infallible means of achieving that aim is the loving and worshipful service of the Jnani Satguru. Those are my favorites. Some of my favorites. This book is freaking too much. Anyways. (laughs) Um, So, that was a lot of coverage. 
of a lot of different things and we're getting close to an hour. Anything else special or inspiring we should add? I feel like that was like a ramble of ideas spewing out of my mind, but it's good. Or getting channeled. I basically just repeated a lot of things that I've been like thinking about and talking sure. about over the years. But um yeah, if anyone's listening now and there's anything that was especially interesting or a question, please leave that in anywhere possible, whether it's comments or like send me a message or anything like that. Um, and I'll include whatever links Eli wants to provide to find or follow her. And um, we'll include links to maybe these books that we mm-hmm. quoted and other resources. Yeah, the Living Enlightenment Gospel of Padmahamsa Nityananda is free online. You can download it as a PDF and like, have it available all the time for a you. A lot of other free books. Yeah, and there. a lot of them, like Guaranteed Solutions. Yeah. Totally recommend them for anybody. Yeah. Super great. Guaranteed Solutions is a freaking incredible book. If you have any type of health problems or you know anyone who does or you're interested in healing or healing arts because it really zeroes in on each part of the Mm -hmm. body and gives real practical reasons why something is wrong and also practices to alleviate the issue no matter how severe um and it's all empowering Mm -hmm. everything is empowering to like you which is the source and empowering to you to be able to solve everything and create everything for yourself so you I mean I'm not giving medical advice but I am (laughs) Uh, you can heal yourself, basically. So, anyways, we'll leave a lot of good resources. I'm sure there'll be more talks about Hinduism, and mm-hmm. hopefully this was interesting. It for sure was to me, me <laughs> to bring up all these old um, topics. And I think if that's it, we should close with the Purna Mantra, yeah. right? Which is all about completion mm-hmm. and uh, oneness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Om Pur Namada Pur Namidam Pur Nat Pur Namudachate Pur Nasya Pur Namadaya Pur Nameva Vashishate Om Shanti 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 Haryon Tatsat Sarvam Sadguru Padukar Panamastu Om Nityanandam Yay! Thank you all for listening. Thank you. See you next time. Bye.